Hello, and welcome back to the Primal Priestess Podcast. I am Hannah, your host, and I have been working on something really special with my sister Leah for you. This journey is called the Sister Series. Over the next months, Leah and I discuss an array of topics that currently light us up, from new paradigm living to German new medicine, motherhood, birth, death, health, healing, and just about everything in between. This week, our launch episode is a little bit of a backstory on us, and it's named High Heels at the Ganja Farm, where we tell all the little stories of cosmic alignment and some deep shadow sides of my past that led us to where we are today. You'll hear us discuss our shifts this year into entrepreneurship, critiques on ourselves and the collective in business, sisterhood dynamics, our introductions to the birth world, and really, where are we going with all of this? Enjoy the episode. because we have all of these conversations like behind the scenes and every time we're talking I'm like okay that should we should have recorded that yes Yes. and something that just has been coming I just feel like we know so many people who are launching offerings right now um and I I go check out everyone's offerings I look at Yes, because I'm like, what I want to invest in this, but also with the, like the lens of like what it's like to be a consumer looking at content. And I can't help but notice how many people just are throwing out fluffy ideas and phrases with like a really lot of like trendy words. And I'm, I don't want to buy any of it. I'm not interested in any of it. I feel like that is so relevant in my mind. I'm really looking for things that are like simple, clean. Here's the answer. Here's the solution. Grounded, tangible. And I think that's what a lot of people are looking for. So when I think about this podcast and what I want to talk about with you, I think is like, yes, the ideas and like the ways that our mind work, but also like how we bring, like it's bridging it. It's bridging it into reality. It's anchoring it into like tangible, real, physical manifestations and practices. And like side of, inside of relationship and business. Yes. Uh, and I feel like it's it's funny to hear, even just to hear you saying that because I'm like, okay, like, and this is not a put down. It's just like a reflection. It's like you just created the sacred ceremonialist. Yeah. And like something about shamanic mothering and like even like those words. Yeah. And it's like how, and we feel like our work is so fucking huge and it's so mystical and it's so channeled that we feel like we need these words surrounding it to like prove its value. Yeah. And it's just like spiritual, shamanic, alchemized, sacred, um, divine, divine feminine, right. right. And we need like, we definitely need words. So it's not about not using words, but it's just like, how can we get even more refined on just like 
what exactly it is we're creating and are we yeah like the way that we need to like attach all this spiritual fluff around it to make everyone know that it's like spiritual and stuff I feel like is it really dilutes things and um well and I I have a hard hard time reading through it I'm like what are you actually teaching me here like yes I get all of those things but like what am I actually learning besides like you'll learn how to tap into your embodied defined feminine and I'm like okay, but like, what are you going to teach me? Are you going to give me a guided meditation? Are you going to give me tools for my life? Are you going to walk me through like a a physical experience? Like what is the offering actually? Yeah. And I think I'm wondering when I see those offerings, if the women even know what they're offering or if it's still in that like ether state of being like, this is so powerful. I haven't like fully defined it. And so I'm gonna like put all these words around it. And I can, I'm speaking to this with critique and also like, as I'm speaking this, I'm critiquing myself because I put out, I put out like one-on-one energy sessions. And instead of just saying, hey, this is an energy work session. It was like, do you wanna do this and that and like learn how to alchemize this and blah 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 and like work through like it was just like so much stuff there was like so much energy and build up around me just wanting to come out and say like hey I have these practices I've been trained whether you've been trained or not these are practices that I've had for over a decade Mm -hmm. and um I have worked on people in the past I've never worked online I'm bringing my practice online I'm accepting one-on-one clients. Like how, how clear is that? Okay. And I still have never said that really online because I think, and so I think there's like these barriers that a lot of us have to, yeah, there's something about just like owning what we're doing out loud and just saying it. I think we, this is what I'm doing. (laughs) I think we're conditioned to believe that like, it's not enough and that we have to fluff it up. When I think, yeah, I offer energy sessions, I'm like, oh, but it's so much more than that. It's going to change your whole life. And so I try to fluff it up a lot, right? But I think in that, like, we lose potency of what it is that we're actually giving. And I think it does have a lot to do with, like, a devaluing of what you're offering and also, like, this desire to sell, right? I have to go out and find people. I have to convince them instead of just like where I'm reorienting to is like when I really close my eyes and feel into like my offering and my business and what it is, it's like, oh, I actually am just like purely embodied in my work and people are, and I talk about it so freely and openly. And then people simply are like drawn in and they want to learn more. And I don't actually have to fluff it up and promote it and sell it. I do want to put a post out every once in a while, like, Hey, if you're interested, come, come, this is where it is, you know, but like, what's, where's that line? That's something that I'm still sitting with every day, even right now. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really good point and we can use we have we have a mentor that we're both working with right now which is really epic her name is sage she's like a fucking pristine goddess channel she's just like 
And it's interesting because even though we are sisters and we have so many similarities, like we, we are like very different. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that we would both be attracted to the same person to work with, I think is not common. And it's, it's like a magic thing that's happening that we're both working with her. And she very much just like speaks the transmission. Like her, her energy is so, it's just so specific that you can like, just get like a little few glimpses of what she's doing this is how it was for me and I'm like mm-hmm. okay I'm a yes I want to work with you and I'm like I remember filling out her form and being like I don't actually know what you do but I know that I want to work with you I've never seen any of your offerings I don't I like literally have no idea who you are but it's like a full yes for me and mm-hmm. um how can we become how can we become like that um, clear and magnetic to where when we are sharing it's it's attracting in that way and then there's like also the piece that I struggle with which you don't struggle with is like you have to share yourself mm-hmm. you the, there's like that gap for me where I am so concealed and I am so private and if you want to connect with people, you have to like let them in. And it doesn't mean that you're an open journal online, but people need to be able to, or, or maybe, maybe you are an open journal, you know, but like it, people have to feel you to be able to make that connection. And so, you know, there's all these layers. I struggle with the opposite. I struggle with like oversharing myself. Right. I I think that's something that I have like very often, like at the end of the day, I'll go onto my Instagram stories and I'll be like, what was I thinking today? (laughs) And then I'll delete a bunch of them and I'll go back on my page and I'll like be like, why did I reveal so much of myself? (laughs) This was irrelevant. Um, And I think there is that like embodying embodying your practice and then sharing your practice in a way like obviously we, you know you and I've been using like our human design um and our profiles for this but also just like it is an energetic signature and I found it's actually as simple as like yeah stating stating who you are what you're about what you're doing and it's not in this like wounded maiden energy of like needing needing all this validation from outside sources and needing people to come to you and instead like just standing as like this this vessel you know it's I like to use the analogy of the lighthouse very often where I'm like you know I'm not going to go out in the water and drag boats to the shore you know, like they might, I'm like, I will like be this lighthouse. I will like share myself over and over again. And I will like, this light will spin around. And if someone sees it and is like, God, like I need that, they can come to me, but I'm never going to go out and like try to convince people. Yeah. And I think what you said about like, it's for women specifically, because we're mm-hmm. speaking about these this women's work and women's offerings. It's like, how clear can we be? Who am I? What am I offering? 
and not like this like whole experience around transcendence and alchemy and all this stuff because that's what it is but like what is it directly who am I who am I here for and what is it and like can we own ourselves in that way without fluff um and I think I think this is like a good time to also say um so I'm a Pisces sun Aries moon cancer rising Hannah is a Gemini sun Aries moon cancer rising so we have that and we're both Manny Jennies we're both Manny Jennies <laughs> Hannah's a three three five yeah I'm a six two very oh, different yeah. profiles we yeah, have emotional centers. centers yeah so there's like a lot of overlap but like very different in how we bring our energy so like I the six two is like very much the the role model hermit and this energy is like it's just it's so <laughs> oh, different I can tell you what I see it as is like <laughs> life being easy for you like, what? When I, when I look at like your your skills, okay, maybe this is where we circle back to like our introductions. Leah is like Leah is and was golden child. Like things just came easy mm. for you. You were really good at school. You were good. You had like a lot of friends. The boys liked you. You were into gymnastics. Like everything you do, everything you start, you're good at. It's just kind of like your flow, um, which maybe that's like right that line too is the your internal world um but then also you know you can relate with that line six too of a lot of like yeah like trying an error trial and error um but it does seem to me that like things do come really naturally for you um whereas me with like my line three like I feel like I really have to like work a lot harder to find to find those things I, I've never interpreted myself in the way that you just explained so a little bashful but I see I see I think it's like so easy to see the the parts of ourselves that we're like working on and not like the good parts or the the natural things that are just like so easy for us um so I am Leah, <laughs> I'm the older sister. I am two years older and um, I always say that life and, and God like leveled the playing field for our relationship by, um, by Hannah becoming a mother first. Yeah. Because I think like our whole life up until that point there was this like little sister looking up to the bigger sister energy and then like when you became a mother yeah it just like put you in that place before me mm -hmm. and ever since then it's felt very it's just felt really really even and I feel like we have a you have like so much to share with me like experiential wisdom and 
yeah what would you add to that it, it feels the same for me too like I think there was I realized it in your in one of your pregnancies. I think you were trying to tell me something about how you would never use a stroller or have a screen. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Like this is where we're <laughs> at. Like I, I now have more experience in this than you. Um, not that everyone has to use those things, but I'm pretty sure you did end up using both of them. And it was just kind of like that moment of like the ex you know, the experienced mom who hears like the maiden, all the things that she's the way she's going to mother and the way she's going to parent. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, we're here. And so that felt really good for me too. And even how, um, yeah, like, I guess where am I trying to go with that? It felt like weirdly validating for me as this person who always looked up to you, who was like really idolized you as a child, like this, you know, the, the girl that, that, did things first, that did things faster, that matured faster than me. You know, you had the boyfriends before I had them. And so it's kind of like this always like catch up game in my mind. And then when I had, you know, when you got pregnant, I was kind of like, oh. <laughs> it was kind of like, yeah, this is my time to shine. And of course you're still teaching me so, so much, but it, it feels good for me. And the relationship starts to feel reciprocal when it's not always me calling you for you know advice when you can actually ask me a question and I feel like I can bring something to the table it definitely starts to feel reciprocal which softens a lot of the edges on the relationship that we had before where I felt like I didn't even know you for so many years like yeah I was calling you for everything um you know from health to energy and healing and my body and my period and um you know my life path and my money and all this stuff I'm always calling you. And I think there was a lot of times we'd get off the phone and I'd be like, oh, I actually don't even know anything about her or where she's at or what she's doing. And I just wasn't in a place to hold that for you. Um, so yeah, it feels really uh, good to be on the other side of that now. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't I don't have like an exact memory, but I, I remember like the season in which that changed. And... I I think like there's two moments, two times that like really solidified this chapter of our relationship. And that was you becoming a mother first and then both of us choosing to like live outside of victim consciousness as much as possible. Obviously we're still human, but like learning that framework, um, learning accountability, learning radical responsibility for our lives. I feel like that was the tipping off point where um that like led us to everything we are able to like talk about and create and dream now um and even like most specifically um I feel like this year it's just like really blown up and it was like this conversation that you kept having with me like cyclically like you would call and you would like blow up about this thing like, and I felt like all other areas of your life, you were like really starting to like tend to these areas, but there was like this one thing that you just kept calling me and like blowing even, up about. We can like name it too. It was just like my financial state and feeling trapped, trapped with my husband working full time and I'm home and we don't have enough money and I'm too exhausted to create a business and it's just, I'm going to forever be stuck in this cycle of financial 
scarcity and dependence on outside sources. Yeah, I would even add that there was like a toxic relating component in there with like our parents that you were like really unwilling to to like unhook from. Yeah. And so we we would just get into the cycle where you would call and be like, blah, 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 mom and dad. And and then I would be like, oh my God, I can't believe blah, 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 blah. And then it just kept cycling like for months and years. And, and it was like sometime this year. And I, rem- I do remember where I was standing in the laundry room. And I was just like, you know, like you get to choose like mm-hmm. this. And this is like so hard. And there is like a buffer period. And I, I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I know I was like, you're doing it in like every area of your life. And like, you can do it here too. Yeah, I, like, I've, I've shared this moment briefly, like I think in an email or on a post, but in my perspective, what you essentially said to me is I was like whining about being a victim to like my financial circumstances and the financial agreements that my husband and I had gone into with um, our parents and you were pretty much like I feel like you were like I don't want to hear about it again oh really (laughs) (laughs) you were like do something about it like stop stop complaining about it and you were literally like I would rather be homeless living in a Walmart parking lot and being like sovereign than being stuck in an agreement that you're a victim to and I was like oh well and then I I jump into victim I can't live in a Walmart parking lot I've got kids to tend to but it was just like it was a really big slap in the face moment for me where I was like shit okay I've co-created this I'm choosing to be like there is an out the out sounds really shitty but also where I'm at feels really shitty so like what what's more worth it and that is actually a conversation that changed everything for me so thank you yeah it's like funny how I remember that versus how you remember it (laughs) because in my mind it's like not I was not intense but okay so like I think this is a really good example for our relationship so like before Hannah and I had um framework for radical responsibility we'll just call it do you resonate with that phrase radical responsibility like before we had that we were like pretty volatile towards each other like we really like we would really like each other but like one of us could say something and then generally Hannah would like just blow up and like start yelling like she would get like very volatile very quickly and then I would be like fuck you like we've even had yeah like no idea what you're talking you don't (laughs) yeah because it's it's so old it's so old for us do you mean like as a child no I mean like yeah as a child but like but like definitely as senior an adult and I would say like before we were mothers okay yeah like if we were at a family event like okay. you, you could start like whining or being sassy. And I would be like, what's wrong with you? And you would just like freak out. Like we, there was just like okay. so much, I feel like tension in I, our relationship. I, I can see that in the family dynamic. Um, when we're in the whole family dynamic, that makes more sense to me. 
Yeah. And like we had, I'm trying to think of, there was like a time in our past where I, I guess rather than like outing all of, all the endless dramas that can come up between sisters, it's just like, Oh, come on. They want, people want to hear the people want to hear the endless drama. Okay. Yeah. So I'm thinking specifically of one time when we were not really in each other's lives and you were like very addicted to drugs and like very spun out and you were like in this pattern of like doing drugs and like disappearing and then like freaking out and calling people for help and then everyone would run and help you and then you would like totally fuck them over and like disappear and do drugs again and like I I just you know I have a certain personality that apparently I just speak really harshly and I, I can speak really straight and I remember you coming to me and I had like picked you up from a party and I didn't let you in my house because I was like I didn't trust you so I made you sleep in the back of my car I do remember this um and I'm pretty sure I locked you in there and I told you if yep. you open the door the car alarm's gonna go off yeah. so essentially I locked you in the back of my car at an apartment complex yeah. I think you were probably like 17 or 18 I must have been like 19 20 and um then you like you like changed your mind in the morning you didn't want to be sober anymore and I was like fine like get out of here and then you went and you <laughs> yeah like you were just causing <laughs> such a scene and I ended up like running into you in the parking lot or like somewhere on the street later that day and we got into like a huge fight yeah. and I and I remember telling you that you should go die which is so hardcore, but you were like, I'm a drug addict and blah, blah, blah. And you were like, we were having this, I don't know if you remember this. We were like I screaming. I don't know. Okay, we so, were. I, I remember the season of my life, but I don't remember this conversation. Yeah, so we were like in a neighborhood street yeah. <laughs> screaming at each other. We were fighting and you were trying to tell me that you are a drug addict and you need help and it's not your fault and like all of this shit, you know? And I remember saying like, you should just go die. No, cause you were like saying like, well, I'm gonna kill myself or something. And I was like, you should. And you're, it just like stopped you dead. You were like, what? Like, you're not allowed to say that. Like, and I'm like, well, you're saying it. Like, if you're going to be pu pulling this card, yeah. yeah, like, that you're going to go kill yourself. I'm Ooh. like, then you just should. Yeah, it's gross. It's slimy. I, yeah, like, my, I'm, like, sweating. I'm so, this is so cringy. I, like, have this whole season of my life of, like, you know, using really hardcore drugs and being homeless and being sketchy as fuck. And it's all so... I'm so far dissociated from that reality that talking about it, I'm like, oh, like, yeah, so gross. Um, and not that I like haven't accepted it. It's just like it's it doesn't even feel like a part of me at all. Um, yeah, well, moment. we don't we don't really talk about these this season of my life. No one does. You know, that's another really fun uh, family treasure there. No one talks about this season of my life. It doesn't really get brought up. So when it does, I'm like. Oh, all in my feels about it.
Yeah. And I, and I, I think there's only, the only reason to tell the story is like to like harvest the wisdom from it, you know? Yeah. So like the reason I'm telling this story is to just show like where we were in our relationship that I would be telling you to literally go die. And I don't think we talked for a really long time after that. That was a big season of us not even communicating. Yeah, I don't think we really talked for probably like a couple years. I'm sure there was like some phone calls and stuff here and there, but um, I would say when you were doing, when you were on that path, I was like very much just like not buying into it, not buying into all the attention that everyone wanted to give you. Not, not because I didn't care about you, but I was just like, that's just, I don't know. I'm so much about like owning your life and being in charge of your life. And I'm just like, if that's what you're going to do with your life, then do it. And like, um, yeah, I think I'd love, I'd love to funnel this conversation if possible into like really the development of us um, from maiden to mother, which so for me, you know, as we're hearing was like, I, I definitely, I went out and I like, I had to hit a lot of like rock bottoms in my life. I ha- I'm like really had to like live into my like victim, into my rebel, into my bad girl. Like that was like a really big part of my development hitting those rock bottoms of victimhood, realizing no one was going to come to save me because after a while people did stop trying to come to save me. And I pulled myself out of it. Like no one got me clean. Like a lot of people tried. I went in and out of rehab. My parents supported me a handful of times, but I didn't get clean until I wanted to. And when I did do it, I didn't do it with anyone's help or anything um just like you shifting from being clean and then like all of a sudden that door opened for me in my life and I remember I was living in northern California with my husband and um I remember being like yeah I wanna I wanna get my sister like a plane ticket I want her to come visit and he was kind of like wait isn't this your sister that is like really untrustworthy and sketchy and um now you like want to invite her to our house and I was just like, yeah, like she's different now. Whatever. I had been so. clean. I had been clean. Um, I had been fully clean for two months when I came out to your house. I don't know if you know that, but I had been on my path. It's so interesting. I, I'll never forget that whole season. I got off birth control in October. And that you supported me getting off birth control, teaching me fertility awareness. I had tapped, I had been, and then I had been starting to slow down my drug use. And then I was still like, I, I tapered myself slowly off drugs over months. Um, and I was just using like pharmaceuticals at that point. I wasn't using street drugs, but I didn't get fully clean until March. And you invited me and I came down to your house in May. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't yeah, know. I don't even really remember those details. I just I remember, remember I remember it so well. Yeah. It, it was that that visit to your house was life-changing for me, which is why I remember it so well. Yeah, I just all I know is like one day I just woke up and I was like, oh, okay, it's time. Like I can invite my sister in. Mm. And 
I remember you came down to visit and yeah, it's like, it's such a, it's such a pinnacle. No, no, it's, it's, it's like such a peak moment in your story. Cause I feel like it, it's, it was like a turning point in your life and it's a turning point in our relationship where you were like working at a car dealership and you were like kind of more like mainstream, like fancy, like you had like acrylic nails and like tons spray of makeup, tan. spray tan and like all the stuff, right? I, brought, and I like, brought my heels to your farm. Yeah. And I was like full-fledged hippie, like we're like growing ganja on a farm with like gardens and fruit trees and like, you know, barefoot dirt under my nails, hairy legs, whatever, like the whole shebang. Um, yeah, and I think that like really threw you <laughs> for a loop. And, it, and like, but then you were also like, whoa, I want this. Yeah. And I remember like mm -hmm. taking you out to my garden mm -hmm. and like telling you like to weed my garden, which was like grunt work on the farm. It was like these awful weeds that had like taken over that were just like, literally like almost impossible to get out of like this clay soil. And I remember just kind of like putting you to work and I was like, isn't this a vacation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And but I was like, I started to love yeah. it. I had never just worked with my hands in the ground. You know, you and I muse on this one memory that we both have when I was three and you were five. And we were outside playing in the mud. We had taken off our shoes and socks and we were feet and hands in the mud. And it's so interesting because this memory is so clear in my head for how young I was. And I just remember how fun it was. And our mom came out and we weren't allowed to be barefoot outside. That was a really big no. We weren't supposed to get dirty. And so we got in trouble for that. And we had to go inside and wash immediately. And I don't think I ever, like, touched mud again until I was back at your house with my hands, my acrylic nails in the dirt. And it was, like, this total mind fuck of I was just, like, so connected to the, I mean, your, your land was so magical. I was so connected to the earth. And I remember just, like, all of the metaphors and the downloads coming through me as I was working and I was just like laughing hysterically at my acrylics that were completely full of dirt. And it was and like breaking. They were like breaking. And they, off. they were like breaking. And I was like peeling them off. I was like, who am I? But it was like, I'm weeding this garden. And the metaphors was like weeding my life. Like mm -hmm. what? And like how deep some of the roots were and how like you really have to tend to it and you really have to like get in there and like see them fully. And if you leave any last bits, like they're going to regrow. And it was just like, I was just getting flooded with these downloads. And as I'm looking at like my body and my hair and my makeup and my tan and my nails, I was just like, what is all this? Like, like I, I, could, I could literally just be like in the sun at the river, like a free human. And instead I spend all my money on acrylic nails and fake tans. And it was just like, it was a mind blowing weekend for me. Yeah. And I don't, I don't remember like, I don't even remember like too many details of the conversations that we were having. Um, 
I do remember that we did face masks and I actually found the photo on my phone, like, which is weird because I have 10 million photos, but it just like popped up on my phone this morning before we got on this call. But yeah, I just remember you like coming to me and being like, my life is like, you know, you like explained your life. You were like, I wear like blazers and like stilettos and I like work like this and that. And like, I remember you said like, that's changing like when I get back. And yeah, like even little things like not wearing a bra or not wearing makeup or not using like hair products and like, you know, I, I remember you- I made a list. I wish I could find it. It was like all the things I'm gonna do different. One, drink water. <laughs> Two, stop using lotion seven times a day. Buy coconut oil. Yeah, like, and it's just like, take it back to like those beginning times when you're like switching your lifestyle over, which I think we're so far removed from right now. Mm-hmm. But it's just like how toxic that lifestyle is. Uh-huh. And, and like, how it felt so daunting. I remember looking at that list and being like, I'm never going to do this. And I'm sure if I saw that list now, it would be hysterically embarrassing at what I thought would be so hard to obtain yeah I think we had even been like swimming in the river and your hair was like wavy and you were like I love my hair like this you were like I'm gonna wear it like this to work and everyone is gonna like stare at me and like think I'm weird yeah and there was like this big thing with your work life and yeah, show slowly but surely, or I wouldn't even say it was slow. It was like pretty quick that you just started like making those changes. And like some of them were like so cute. It'd be like Leah has mason jars full of grains and herbs. And like I'm gonna have, I'm gonna put my stuff in mason jars too. Like just like the cutest, like <laughs> I like bought, I had no idea what I was doing. I like bought so many herbs. I was like, they're going to do something for me. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it was like this moment of us choosing a similar lifestyle. Um, And like you working to weave into like a more natural way of living. Mm -hmm. And then we both became aligned with like free birth and we yeah like our values and stuff just like really started like coming into congruence I feel like we started sharing birth videos with each other it was back when um empowered birth project was really big Mm. and we started sharing birth videos and I was like ooh. I'm gonna have a baby at home. Yeah, see, I knew that I was gonna have my babies unassisted since I was like 18 years old. Yeah. I found it on, I was dating Chad at the time. And I remember we were living in this like super dark basement apartment. And somehow I was like on the internet. So this must have been 2011 or 12. Um, yeah, and I like somehow came across Laura Ch- Shanley's like website on assisted childbirth. And I think mm-hmm. she had like five children unassisted at that time. And 
I remember being like, whoa, what wormhole of the internet did I just go into? Like, and I remember thinking this woman is like fucking insane. But I was also like, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's just like one of those things that got like bookmarked into the back of my mind um, that wouldn't come forward for, you know, another 10 years for me, <laughs> nine, 10 years. Um, I feel like, like, I'm so thankful for Instagram and like, I, I guess I'll just say Instagram because that's the only social media I've been using, but it's like really shaped this like larger community that we're both plugged into of like a lifestyle and like a parenting style and just like a framework for how we look at reality. Um, and I was like thinking about this yesterday, like I've had spirit babies with me since I was 18, but like, that wasn't like a conversation back then you know there wasn't like whole cohorts of women online talking about spirit baby communication and conscious conception and channeling your spirit babies and like this and that and like how normalized that's become and how beautiful it is like through these webs that we're all weaving online but like that felt really isolated and lonely for me back in the day and I, I felt like I was crazy sort of I was also very like in touch with my intuition at that time, but I was just like, how do I make sense of this? Yeah. Um, so, you know, now 10 plus years later, I can be like, oh yeah, my spirit babies are with me. Yeah. I can make a post about it. And there's 500 other women that are like, yeah, me too, blah, blah, blah. Here's my story. Yeah. And just like, how beautiful is that? Mm. It is. I've been thinking about a lot of my, my, what I've been thinking about as far as like the internet is just really like the, the age of information that we're in and how ease, easily we can access like anything, any way of living is going to have a community on the internet, corner of the internet dedicated to it, of people connecting around it. Um, and I think that's really, really cool. And, you know, we might have to edit this out. I don't know if I'm going to go on a tangent that's irrelevant, but it's been really coming through to me lately, like that, like we are in this age of information and I feel like women know so much, but where is like the gap to living it? Mm. Like I know about spirit babies for years from reading it. I have my own, you know, I started communicating with Oakley when I was like 15 or 16 years old. I have my own spirit baby story there. So maybe I won't use that. Um, but there's all these like things we know and things we read that we like feel good. And I think sometimes we read it and it like feels good. And so we're like, yeah, like I live like that because it feels good to me. But like, where's the actual daily practice? Where does it actually manifest in your life has been my big question where my big one lately has been cyclical living, like living in tune with your menstrual cycle, which is something I've even been talking about on social media for years. But I've been really just slapped lately in the face with like, do I actually live that? Or is it just an idea that I know that I try to implement and like, I try to weave it in. Or is it actually an embodiment of who I am? 
And where is like that bridge? And that's part of the work that I want to do with women. The work that I do do with women is bridging that information into like tangible reality where like this is actually a part of who you are. It's not just something you read and something you know. Mm. I'm time finding words for it though. Yeah, I, I, I feel that completely because I, I was like reading something. Here I go. I was reading something. And it was like talking about the same concept, but like in comparison to nervous system regulation and how there's like so much flooding that our little internet corner right now with like regulated nervous system, nourished nervous system, nourished mother, nervous system, healing and somatic processing and somatic blah, 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 right? And like, we can all like read these captions that are profound and potent. And we're like, yeah, and we're like all churning on these same ideas, but then like is their embodiment yeah. and so I know that's something we're both like really passionate about in our own work is just like anchoring practices for women because it is the age of information and like how beautiful but like are you do you have practices in place to like take you where you're trying to go or are you just like mindlessly like consuming all of this really beautiful information and it's getting like backlogged and then there's like a gap in your life where you're in a free state you know um well and then there's also like once you take in all this information you either I find a lot of people trick themselves into thinking that they're actually living it when they're not or people jump into like the shame wagon where it actually just makes them feel really shitty about who they are because they're not where they want to be. And so I know you've found this and I have too, but oh, it's my, I like, hate it's a fluffy word. Tangible container, juicy, tangible container. I love being in containers for accountability, right? So like, let's, let's talk about that. Like, what is yeah. a container? Let's define it. That, I don't feel like that's a fluffy yeah. word, but can we define it more to make yeah. it? Ooh, that's a hard one. I've been trying to define this one for a long time, but yeah, a container for me feels like a place that has a beginning and an end and a dedicated intention, right? Mm-hmm. And that even that even feels fluffy just to say that. Like, what does that actually look like? Okay, that actually looks like I have a set time and place every single week that I'm going to meet with my mentor or a group or myself, and this is the work that is to be completed in this space. This is the intention, here I am, and here's where I wanna be when it's done. And this container, I mean, for me, a container is very often like time. I'm like, okay, I have two hours, um, or I have four hours, or whatever it is what I'm gonna do. And like, very often I need someone to hold it. If it's not gonna be my mentor or a group or a friend, I'm gonna call in my, you know, celestial team my guides to hold it for me but I'm gonna say like okay like I have been feeling really dysregulated I'm gonna create a container for regulation which means I'm gonna set a specific time to work on this and either once again I'm gonna call into a mentor or I'm gonna say okay like what are regulation practices right so for me a container looks like a dedicated time I'd be interested to hear what your definition of that is yeah, I, I would agree with that definition. I don't I don't know if that word is like really so fluffy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a container for holding. For me, I always look at it as it's like 
a container is like holding a tran transfer. It's a <laughs> holding a transformation process. Mm, there we go. And like we can say we're like doing our work, but and I I'm someone who is always like oh I'm like doing this deep work and I'm in this process. That's like my whole mo for my entire life, <laughs> yeah. right? Anyone who knows me or even like follows me probably is like, wow, that chick is like always doing some deep thing, but also she never tells us what it is because I'm overly private. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, but then like, okay, so I'm quote, like doing my work for the past 12 years. And also like when I step into a container and like hire a mentor mm -hmm. and who's like, holding me and like prompting me and guiding me and reflecting how much work happens like in that space fuck it's yeah. so much it's, it's so, much. so much and like I have gotten yeah I can just get like so trapped and like I'm gonna do it myself and I know everything and like I don't need anything outside myself um I need the and, accountability like, yeah with that being said, like having someone, I've, I've always had a mentor or a teacher or been in a program, like some sort of a container. But I think with this mentor that I'm working with right now, it's like the first time that it's like just fully dedicated to me. It's not like a teacher who's teaching a course that I'm in, you know, yeah. like yeah. my mentor is like 100% committed and holding it down for me right now, pretty much any day of the week, I can message her. And she's like, she's like prompting me with questions and checking in to make sure. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm getting as much as I'm bringing to it. She's not like my boss, but it's just like this accountability of like not dropping off with the practice. And since I've, since I've invested in that kind of space, um I feel like my life is transforming at like uh warp speed where I'm just like collapsing timelines collapsing timelines like mm. whoa yeah I agree fully with that like okay I've been doing you and I were just talking about this the other night of just like I started doing energy work on myself probably when I was like 15 years old um and having like really profound experiences on the energy grid in my own body, in my own aura, mind-blowing experiences. And then just like not doing it again for years. And then coming back to it and being like, whoa, I'm so powerful. There's a whole other realm that exists. And like getting really into it for like a few months and then nothing for years. And then like kind of sort of doing some of it with friends here and there. And like, as soon as this has been my year of committing to like living my life from that space, because I know how powerful that space is. And when I committed to living in that space and joining containers to hold it, to hold me accountable to, you know, check in with me once a week, every two weeks to be like, okay, like, where are you? Like you said, you wanted to get to here. What are you doing to get to there? Um, and giving me new ideas and just expanding the dialogue and mirroring the depth so that I can go deeper. 
yeah, it's been warp speed for me. It's been, oh, it's the year of the quantum leap. I feel like everyone <laughs> on the internet, I'm going to use the trending phase, the trending phrase, the quantum leap, but that's really like what it is when, and that's for me just like really dedicating to dedicating and prioritizing that container in my life. You know, I think a lot of the questions that came in when I put this on my Instagram that we were going to be doing this was just like, and a lot of questions I just get always is just like, like, how did you get where you're at? And that's like, that's it though, is like prioritizing the container and prioritizing it. This is the most important thing. You know, we circle back to the conversation we talked about earlier where you were like, okay, like, are you going to be a victim or are you going to go live in a Walmart parking lot and be sovereign? And it was just like, shit, like, what am I committing to? If I'm going to commit to like not being a victim, then like, I also have to commit to like this practice in my life, which is like always reorienting to self, always coming back to my intuition and letting that lead. Yeah, I think talking a little bit about where, like, we can each tell our story for, like, where our spiritual path was kind of, like, activated. Yeah. Um, and I will just say up front that, like, I felt very jealous of you as a child, like, when we were children because you lived in like this vivid imaginative reality. You had imaginary friends that you were like diehard committed to that you like, we had to like make spaces for them in the car and at the table and like, you know, you were just like so in this imaginary world. Imaginary is that a word? Imaginative. Imaginative. <laughs> you know, whatever, anyways. And for me, childhood was like very stoic, which I'm also just like seeing now that I'm an adult, like I do have a very stoic part like that I really resonate with that. Just like, and, and I've been that way since I was a child. And it doesn't mean that I didn't have fun or laugh, but like, I just feel like my life has always been very serious. Mm -hmm. And I was like waiting to be an adult like from a small child, I remember when I was seven, like I decided like, okay, like I'm not, a, I'm not like a kid anymore. And I remember I gave all my toys to you yeah. and we weren't sharing a room at that time. So I remember I like gave all my baby dolls and like everything. And I like moved them over into your room. And I was like, yeah, like big kids, like don't play with toys. And I was seven. And like, even my friends would come over and be like, where's all your toys? And we'd have to like go into your room because I like didn't have them anymore. And I was like, yeah. So for me, I felt like I, I was not like imaginative or creative in that way at all as a child. That's um, an interesting reflection. Cause that's, I don't think I've ever heard you say that about my, like the, your reflection on my childhood. I was jealous of you and like your stability right I feel like when I like look at this like I'm like you're like the earth and I'm like the air and I always like I didn't feel like very I felt like I was just like out in my own world and I was very jealous of your ability to like be in my eyes at the time like be grounded and be regulated which 
probably was a lot of like suppression, right? So <laughs> yeah, I think like I learned inside of our family how to like lock everything down and just like yeah like bury myself like deep inside of an internal world not of really imagination but just like deep within so that nothing in the external could touch me mm. and so I always appeared like everyone would say oh you're an old soul oh you're wise you're this and that and whatever and like sure there's like probably some of that that's true but also I was like living just like deep within the self. Um, I had a really, really hard time being a child. I have a very, I was called stubborn, like to the core, um, which I think is beautiful. And I remember mom like sitting me down, maybe around like three and telling me, and many times in my life, but three is like the earliest time when I remember I was being stubborn about something and she tried to convince me that I should be stubborn for the good cause of what she thought the good cause was. And she was like, your stubbornness is a gift from God and you should use it like for God or whatever. I was kind of like, yeah, that one's not gonna work on me. But that's like been a blessing. Like I would say that's a huge blessing in my life is that my stubbornness has like kept me rooted in my sense of self and my intuition forever. Um, we were raised um, inside of Mormon culture, which I don't even have to, I personally don't have too much to go into with that. I know you're way more triggered on that. And I think I'll just say, that I really have been like so deep inside my own world that like that never touched me really. Mm -hmm. There's definitely some programming around sex and whatever that I've had to like, and patriarchy that I've had to unwind. But um, I remember knowing at like nine, I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. And so- oh, Yeah, I felt my, the same way. Yeah. So I remember just feeling like childhood was like, hiding and like waiting until it was over so that I could be sovereign I agree which is I agree fully but my yeah. I feel like I couldn't I don't feel like I could wait though that was my my big thing I, was like, I don't feel like I could hide and wait like I feel like I just like you like you like suppressed and I feel like I expressed yeah oh I mean I was doing all sorts of expressing in my own private time but like as we became like teens and stuff yeah. but yeah um yeah I guess I'm just I'm feeling proud of myself right now that I'm saying this because I'm like I stood up against grown men yeah. like 40 50 six year old men trying to tell me how I need to be what I need to wear how I should feel how I need to repent yeah. um you know and I would stand tall to them and be like well that's not my experience <sighs> And they'd be like, well, you need to pray about it. And I'm like, I did pray about it. And I got a different answer from you. Yeah. And like, <laughs> so like, I just feel so, I just have to, I'm like giving my inner child a hug right now because I'm like, fuck, like you are on, you were unbreakable. And like also being unbreakable has been, I've walked with the shadow side of that inside of intimate relationships. Yeah. 
Um, it's really hard to be with someone who's unbreakable. It's, it's really hard to be someone who is unbreakable. And like, what does that look like when you actually need to start accessing the places within, but they're like so locked down that it's like, you don't know how to even get in. Yeah. Um, I have similar memories in the church of, of, yeah, being like told to pray about something or told to like listen to the Holy Ghost to find the answer and being like, yeah, like I found a different answer. Like I, I remember being like, I like believe in God and I believe in like more than this life, but like this isn't it. And that was like really clear to me, I think around like age 14. Um, but I think I did break a lot. I think that's like, I'm like almost the opposite. Like, I feel like I've broken so many times. Like, I feel like I've just broken and shattered and then like had to piece myself back together. Like that feels like my cycle of life right there is like that continual like Like the like all the blinders coming off, the veil coming down, just being like, what the fuck and who the fuck is, what is my life? Like, how did I get here, right? That's like the drugs, that's like the birth trauma, that's like the, the like where I'm at, where I was at earlier this year with like my family and just like trying to liberate us and being like, what have I gotten myself into? And just like breaking down, which I feel like is my gift, right? It's like the almost opposition. Like, I feel like my gift is like my ability to break down over and over and over again and like rebuild. Mm. Which is like my line three. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I've heard now, like now that it's past the fact, I've heard like many people sharing about how a girl's first menarche is when her psychic powers are activated. Mm. And when I like look back at that, that was definitely true for me. Yeah. So I think I was like, let's see, eighth, eighth to ninth grade. And what happened for me was that I would start having dreams like the night before school of like what was going to happen the next day and then I would like go to school and it would happen or like I also started okay do you remember the show that's so raven yes how she could see into the future okay yes. well I that was like me when I was like at that age like we would all like be in the hallway like with my friends and then I would see something happening and within like five seconds it would happen mm. Like I could see just like a minute or even like seconds ahead of what was happening. And I remember like trying to tell my friends, I was like, I just saw you fall down the stairs before you fell down the stairs. Like, or I knew you were going to wear that. And I knew blah, blah, blah. And like, I had all these, these like moments of activation that were like really, yeah, just like really funny. And I remember feeling like, I'm like, that's so Raven. Like, um, so when I was, Six, 15 or 16, I started working um, at the Pineapple Grill restaurant um, with a family who I really love and also have complicated relationships with. Um, I went on to date 
we both actually dated their sons. Hannah dated their son first, and then I dated their older son. There's like so many cringe worthy feelings and alive in that still for me. Um, Yeah, there's a lot coming up. (laughs) Yeah, so that was like a huge, felt like a huge chapter in my life for about five years. Five or six years I worked for this family and I ended up living with them and dating one of their kids and blah, blah, blah. But the core of this story is that the woman who owned this restaurant, um, she really like became my first spiritual teacher. Mm -hmm. And she taught me like everything I know about like energy work. She taught me a practice called Theta Healing. Um, And she trained me to like, you know, do past life regressions and, um, you know, communicating with plants and animals, um, spirit baby communication. She taught me how to like clear and cleanse like houses and land and like how to send spirits to the other side and just like all, all of this work that is like so commonplace for me now. I can share a little bit about that season of my life. Uh, so you had been learning and refining these skills and I was in rehab at the time and I was just tapping into my skills. It's interesting, the timelines, right? Because as you, probably a few years later, right? Because I didn't, I went to treatment when I was 15. So you were 17. No, just kidding. The exact same time. You're learning these skills and I'm, I was tapping into them intuitively um, because I'm, you know, in rehab and I don't really have a lot of other things to do. There's no screens. There's no books. We're just laying in our rooms for hours at a time. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to close my eyes and see what I can do with my own imagination. And so this is where I started. Like I had no language for it. I mean, we were locked in. I had no resources or books at this time. And I start playing with like astral projection and probably like theta brainwaves. Right. And I'm tapping into all of this as you are learning it from a mentor. Um, And then I got the two books that I got in rehab that changed everything for me were the Celestine prophecy and the power of myth, um, by Joseph Campbell. I don't know who the Celestine prophecy is by. Maybe you do. Um, but those were really, really life-changing. And then you came and visited me while I was in rehab. I remember we were sitting on the grass and I was telling you about all these labels they were giving me about oppositional defiant disorder bipolar manic depressive borderline schizophrenic like they were giving me all these crazy labels and you were like you're a psychic spiritual healer and I was like oh okay cool thank you and I had already been like feeling like I had some powers and I was doing work on people I remember like the girls there like I would be like, give me your, I would just make it up. I'd be like, give me your hand. And they would put, they'd put their hand on mine and then I put my hand around theirs. And I would just, I would just make it up. And I, in my time, I'm like, I'm making this up right now. This is fun. But I would like walk them through. Like, I'm like, okay, like put all of your negativity into your hand. I'm like, I'm going to, and I'd like be pulling it out with my hands and flinging it back into the ether. And I think this was kind of a dangerous time for me because I thought I was quote unquote making it up and I never had any like protection or cleansing practices. And I think this is where I actually brought in a lot of like negative entities into my field because there was no, there was no distinction there. 
but it's interesting because I'm like doing these practices and then you just drop in and you're like, you're not crazy. You're a psychic spiritual healer. Like, and like, don't let those labels hold you down. And then I still spent more time in rehab, but I kind of was like, fuck this place and fuck these psychologists because I'm actually psychic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I remember they were like trying to get you on schizophrenic meds. And I remember just everything inside of me was like, do not take those. Yeah. I even told you, I was like, don't take them. Please don't take them. Like they're going to fuck with you. Like don't take the meds. I just kind of stopped telling my therapist everything at that point. I just like started lying more to them because I was like, okay, I want to hide. I want to hide some of this. Um, But that's, it's interesting that we were both tapping into that in that same year, which would have been 2010. I have actually never realized that right till right now that we both started the work at the same exact year. It's really cool. Yeah. (laughs) And then you gave me the language for it. Right. And I love that. I love that because I feel like you really validated what I was doing. Like you started teaching me about theta. I'm like, Oh, I've been doing this. I've been doing this for a while. And yeah, obviously then I got out of rehab and like had my time with the drugs and stuff, which I needed I feel like I really needed to do all of that it felt really important after our religious upbringing for me to do to go to that extreme um and to live that life fully to know exactly what I want like I feel like I've lived both ends of the spectrum and now I know who I am Yeah, I have, like, memories of you calling me, being like, I have a UTI, right? Yeah. And being like, can you heal it? And I'd be like, yes. <laughs> and like, I stop, like, stop sleeping with shitty men. <laughs> It'll heal. Right? And I have, like, so many questions, really, about... I feel like the heal we're gonna have to like have a whole nother episode just on like our perspective on healing and like how that yeah the evolution of like what we think healing is because it's been a long process for me and I look back all the time at like the things I quote unquote healed for other people and for myself and it was real like they were real experiences But like now, I think the way that I would work is just so different. Like I would never claim to heal someone. I think we'll have to dive into that maybe in the next episode. But like the evolution of healing. The people want to hear about GMM. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even want to go into that. I know. We're the vocal GMM sisters right now, I feel like. So it it will feel important and we we will get to it in a future episode. But I feel like all of this stuff that we did like created the basis for where we're at now and the integrations of GNM and how I feel like it comes quite easy for both of us to apply GNM into our life. And I think it's because of these foundations that we've built in our energetic practices and how we understand how these things work in our bodies. Yeah, like I've always viewed like illness stemming from the subtle realm 
and I think like in the beginning it was like so much so well I'll save this for a different episode (laughs) yeah like this is these are like the places that we come from and like how weird that like we've been on these very different journeys and like somehow there's all these synchronicities and timelines and now like it's 2022 and we've like ended up in this place where we're both starting to like offer our work create entrepreneurship for ourselves and like where is all of that coming from I want to I do want to talk about this for another another minute where like earlier this year when you came to visit me you were like I just feel like I need like a business mentor like you were like trying to like offer me jobs for you but I had no idea like I don't know I have a lot of ideas but like neither of us had the structure neither of us had the quote-unquote container for it right Mm -hmm. and then you know I I jumped into Anita Midwich methodology Um, I was really drawn into her language and I'm just totally magnetized by her ability to create a tangible business structure that was energetic energetic alignment for who I was. And um, that's another thing, right? I feel like I started that process and then I feel like you were just like right behind me on that train. And now we're both like launching these businesses and we're in the same place, but we're in different places, but like we're ahead, but we're behind. And there is like no linear, linear time timeline on it, but it does feel important to, to give that like, this isn't just something that you and I have always been doing. This isn't just something that you wake up into the next morning. Like this is a development and, um, and an evolution of like a well over a decade of who we are as women into our motherhood. Yeah. And there's, I can feel, we can both feel something brewing. Like, obviously there's like a magic sparking in our relationship right now. And we've been like, are we about to buy land together? Are we gonna live together? Are we gonna work in business together? Are we gonna chat? Like something, Yeah. something is coming. I have a feeling we're gonna create something together. Yeah. Maybe a retreat. I don't know. It's going to be really, it's going to be really fucking good. And, and we both feel it. And so we um, have to start recording right now because. Yeah, we, we have, things, we're recording. We going. We're recording now. Like this is like an evolution of like, we're all going to find out together. Everyone who's listening to this, <laughs> we're all going to find out what me and Hannah are creating because <laughs> we're still, we're still in the middle of it. But it's going to be <laughs> Stay tuned. Well, that's about it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and want to connect more with either myself or Leah or our offerings, you can find us online on Instagram. I am at the primal priestess and Leah is at of.mystic.nature. We'll see you next time where we dive deeper into German new medicine, new paradigm healing, frequency medicine, and more.